On Monday, the United Nations put a price tag and a deadline on what it says is needed to avoid the catastrophic damage of climate change. But are the warnings enough to produce actual change? And if not, then what is? This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Joining me today is Bloomberg News sustainability editor, Eric Rostin. Eric, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We woke up Monday morning to a headline out of South Korea from the United Nations with a pretty startling report. What did it say exactly? This report looked at what the world needs to do to keep global warming below 1.5 degrees centigrade. That's a more ambitious goal than traditionally, which was 2 degrees centigrade. Ooh. And in 2016, the world of nations asked the scientists to produce this, and that's why we have it. And so what were the warnings about the raises in temperatures? It's no news to anyone who's been paying attention that global warming is here and bad and will get worse if nothing is done. What this report does really for the first time is to look out at all of the research that's been done on this question of what is what happens at 1.5 degrees Celsius? How is it different than 2 mm -hmm. degrees Celsius? What's happened already? We're about at 1 degrees already above pre-industrial temperatures. What their, their top-line conclusion for policymakers and, and business folks and investors is that we really need to reduce global emissions by a substantial margin by 2030, something on the order of 55 or 60 percent below current levels. Mm -hmm. That's a heavy ask. And then to push them down to zero by 2050. And what are the chances of that actually happening? It depends. It depends on what the global ambition is for treating these mm -hmm. conclusions with seriousness and adjusting behavior and laws and business models to accomplish them. If the status quo in policy is the norm, what we see going, going forward, we're unlikely to come close to achieving what the scientists say we need to do. On the other hand, the last five or ten years have seen absolutely miraculous, uh, hard, to, hard to emphasize that enough, mm -hmm. achievements in renewable energy uh, that are creating new markets and, and cheaper ways uh, to have cleaner energy all over the world. So there's part of the reason the space is so exciting now is because you have this absolutely unbelievable progress in energy and you have this absolutely unbelievable uh, challenges in, in the global diplomatic community. So let's talk about that because you mentioned the ambitions of, of people to actually do this. So is there just a lack of ambition from governments and from businesses to get these changes done? I think you have to give an enormous amount of credit to the people who are ambitious and are getting things done. Like who? Uh, like all the uh, investors and entrepreneurs who have made solar and wind power uh, a mature industry, and the people who are very quickly bringing electric cars to market mm -hmm. and uh, and improving uh, battery technology so that we can, you know, we can have power when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine. Uh, so there's there's no lack of ambition and there's there's no lack of people who are getting things done. That just needs to be the norm rather than uh, the the habits of mind of an extraordinary group of people. So you mentioned we are already seeing one degree Celsius in rise since the Industrial Revolution. What are some examples, recent examples too, that, that shows that this is happening? 
one thing that is is commonly heard uh, uh, whenever there's a big hurricane is how could it be how could it be climate change because there's always been hurricanes and that's absolutely true there have always been hurricanes uh, but what scientists tell us and they can do it now almost in real time as a, a hurricane is is developing and 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 hitting if it if it does uh, warm water fuels hurricanes mm-hmm. and the water is warmer than it's ever been historically. Humid air uh, provides, uh, you know, the sort of hydrological muscle for hurricanes, and there's probably five or six percent more moisture in the air than there was in the in the 70s or early 80s. Uh, so, the gradual changes that we see in the climate uh, and have been documented now in some cases for decades uh, really start to to feed in. Uh, and exacerbate what are these otherwise normal processes like tropical storms. And we see that today with Hurricane Michael working its way up towards the, the U.S. southeast, which was just hit last month by another hurricane. It's, it's absolutely true. Anytime there's a, an extreme weather event that, that's even you know, anomalously uh, extreme, these questions are, are asked almost as soon as they form. And I mean, as a general matter, well, there are some scientists who point out that there's actually no such thing as a natural event anymore. There's there's 40 percent, more than 40 percent, more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than there was when uh, you know industrialization started, um, and therefore the atmosphere itself is really a joint venture at this point between the Earth and human industry. Uh, and so that's not a very satisfying answer, Ooh. but it's an interesting way to frame. Uh, you know that ev- inevitable question of, well, was this hurricane climate change or not? Which is which is not, which is a natural question, but not necessarily the most productive one. But it's not just weather necessarily, like a hurricane. There's other factors in climate change that we see, from rising seawaters to um, poverty and 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 lack of food around the world. Right. The what is some of the most interesting and eyebrow raising areas of research are concerned with how these changes in the climate affect people and where people live and how or if people will be able to live there much longer. And uh, even with the the refugee crisis of the last few years where people were uh, streaming out of uh, out of the Middle East mm-hmm. um, uh, in part, you know, which had been struck with with drought. Syria uh, had experienced this this drought of of several years, which had uh, you know which, the research is, is goes back and forth on this, but people went into the cities and then they left the cities, and um, so as, as populations expand and conditions change, you know, particularly in Africa, which has uh, extraordinarily quickly rising population, uh, these um, these issues of of equity and uh, human rights and 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 what to you know how to uh, uh, accommodate um, new populations, moving populations. Mm-hmm. They're going to become ever more stark. So those are examples of what's happening today with that one percent Celsius raise. The report also goes on to say that if nothing is changed by t- the the end of the century, there could be a three percent Celsius change. Well, how drastic would a three percent Celsius change be? It's difficult to imagine, really. And end of the world uh, stuff, though. <laughs> Uh, well, what, is, what does the end of the world mean? I mean, I mean, it's easy. It's easy to to jump to to that, and it's. I mean, the scary thing about climate change is that that's not out of the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what, what's definitely on 
the hit list, if we get to something like three degrees, is two-day shipping. <laughs> you know, like the things that make modernity uh, productive and, uh, and and helpful for people to you know enjoy their lives and be productive members of society. Those things are going to be strained and undermined. Mm-hmm. You know, like the whole notion of you know seafront property. Uh, Climate change, I often think of it as just the hugest mass repricing event in the history of the economy. And it, it doesn't happen all at once. It's going to happen in, it's happening, you know, in, in Miami. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it'll happen in the Southwest, uh, where uh, it's already, um, they suffer from a lot of uh, days every year higher, hotter than 90 degrees. It, very coincidentally, today, we when we woke up to the reports from this headline, we also woke up to the news about the winners of the Nobel Prize in Economics. And it, we say economics, but it, there's a correlation in their study, in these two U.S. professors' study, on long-term climate change planning. So what did their research say? It's really interesting and uh, th- that this morning, William Nordhaus, in particular, uh, co-won the 2018 Nobel Prize in Economics because so much of what we know uh, about how climate change will impact the economy and how policies might make climate change better comes straight out of William Nordhaus's head, out of his computer. He's been modeling climate impacts on the economy and vice versa for three or four decades uh, and is really the progenitor of an enormous body of research uh, that has informed the entire diplomatic policy community, which spawned, you know, the UN climate talks mm-hmm. and the IPCC itself, which which uh, was the author of today's 1.5 degree report. So to have William Nordhaus win the Nobel Prize uh, in economics the same day that this uh, hugely important UN science report comes out is uh, should. Um, really reinforce both events at the same time. And what's his solution? They uh, ask scientists in economics <laughs> what their solution is, and, and they'll often hem and haw and say they don't, well, we don't have solutions and we don't make predictions. We, uh, you know, we, we project uh, different scenarios best on our assumptions, and you know, that's why not a lot of them are stand-up comics. Uh, but... Uh, what Nordhaus and his uh, and and the others, you know, who the other uh, climate economists do, is they try to estimate if you uh, basically if this is how fast the economy grows, how much emissions is that going to create? What is the warming going to be from those emissions? And then what's the cost mm-hmm. uh, of that damage? And then, if you're still with me. Uh, what is the cost in today's dollars of that damage? And so that final number, this this net present estimate of what future climate damages will be, is then used uh, by people who inform policymakers to say, look, we expect future damages to be the equivalent of this in wow. today's dollars. Uh, and then policymakers can use that number um, to weigh the costs of the policies they want to come up with and say, well, this is a good deal, or this, this looks like it could be too expensive. Um, 
And that's sort of how, how these conversations proceed. You know, we have this research. We have real-time examples like this, uh, Hurricane Michael. Are we a society that kind of does, we look at this as a sincere problem, but not our problem today. It will be someone else's problem eventually. I think you see that idea being eroded every year by Hurricane Sandy, by Hurricane Harvey, by heat waves that uh, can cause uh, terrible um, you know, deaths, uh, particularly in, in urban populations or elderly populations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there's a really growing awareness United States politics notwithstanding, that uh, climate change is here and weird things are happening and they're happening more frequently. You know, you say U.S. politics. You know, President Trump did remove the U.S. from the Paris Climate Accord, but there's still progress being made with accords like that and other works by other governments around the world, aren't there? Absolutely. And again, I go back to something I said a little earlier, which is how crazy interesting this space is right now because mm-hmm. you have the the miracle of technology coming along and you have this I don't even know what the right adjective is to call what's going on in the international diplomatic arena now uh, with the United States pulling its support from this uh, this historic uh, whatever you think of it you know instance of global cooperation you know as all the other nations of the world are trying to to, to support that initiative so uh, you know, questions are often more interesting than answers, and we have uh, no shortage of mm-hmm. them in, in any aspect of uh, the, the climate debate. Eric Rostin, thank you so much. Thank you. Make sure you follow Eric and his reporting on Twitter. He's at E. Rostin. That's a TikTok for today. Thanks for listening, and please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers, and you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok. <laughs>